Hello and welcome to an all new episode of Talking Game of Thrones. I am your host, Kente, all the way live from Los Angeles, California, and I'm so happy to be here with you. We will be covering the final episode of the series, the HBO's hit series, Game of Thrones. And I'm here with my wonderful co-host, the one and only Jen. How are you doing, Jen? Uh, I'm emotional, but I'm holding in. All right. All right. Okay. So, um, we are going to break down this finale and then at some point we're going to go back and kind of talk about the show overall, but we really want to focus on this finale. So if anybody wants to add to, uh, to this conversation, if you want to uh, hop in, let us know and we'll open up a seat and have you join in and uh, take part in this discussion. So um, let me, uh, all right. Okay, so let's do this. Um, uh, all right, so this was the final episode. Uh, a lot went down. Uh, I don't think, I think ultimately who sat on, well, I can't even say who sat on the Iron Throne because the Iron Throne was destroyed, <laughs> but uh, who ultimately became the um, the king of now the six kingdoms. Uh, I think that's kind of a surprise. I haven't heard too many uh, I haven't heard too many um, people. I haven't heard too many people uh, saying that they thought Bran was going to end up being the uh, the final, you know, person in uh, on on the throne. I keep saying on the throne, but there is no throne anymore. So, uh, were you surprised with that? I was pretty surprised. Yeah, uh, although you know, I know, I feel like you and I have had discussions about just about everybody at one point or another being sort of a contender. And as I was uh, talking to the person that watched it with me, uh, my son, it, we definitely went back and forth about who we had thought over the years would, would end up being the, the, the ruler, if you will. And uh, uh, the, 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 you know, to me, the interesting thing about the, the way that that was chosen or the, not the way that it was chosen, but who it finally ended up there was, I, I just, I have so many questions. It, it is difficult for me to, to summarize. If we just look at who Bran is, then great. And I'll just approach this sort of like incrementally in small pieces. But the bigger part of Game of Thrones as a series eight in totality just didn't work for me at all. I'm, I, I'm, I'm, I'm emotional because it's over and done and I'm sad that it's, you know, ended and, but I, I don't feel like that was a really good resolution at all. Mm -hmm. I, I mean, I don't know. Did you feel that way? That brand ended up brand the broken. Got it. Well, okay, so not just Bran, but yes, Bran, and also sort of everything that led up to it. I I wasn't happy. Uh, okay, we all figured that he was going to kill uh, Danny, but I don't know, man. The way that it played out, it was just kind of like, okay, it happened. You know, I mean, See, it was kind of beautiful with the how the dragon reacted. I kind of like that part of it, but. I don't know. It was just kind of 
You see, that's a problem. That's a that's a problem. If the if the and I'm I'm sorry because that actually that was also extremely emotional for me too. But if Drogon's reaction to Danny's death is the strongest reaction inside of that scene, then tell me how that's not done wrong. Or no, I should say done wrong. Then tell me how that's done to to satisfy the audience. Like I, it is hard. I didn't even feel anything when John stabbed her. I mean, it was a tiny bit emotional that he had to stab, you know, whatever. But I didn't feel anything until Drogon came up and, you know, did his, hey, are you alive thing? You know, then it was emotional. And if that's what evokes emotion in the scene, how is that? I don't know. I, I, I just have so many there's so many moments and this this is just the typification right this is this is definitely on par for season 8 this feels very season 8ish but it is exactly the same problem that they had all throughout season 8 which is things happen for no apparent reason and we're just supposed to accept them because we do and i just can't i just i it, it's hard for me to understand where they were going Hmm. Yeah, uh, yeah. It was it was kind of weak. Uh, I was kind of I was disappointed too. Um, but I think what made it worse was the episode leading up to it. Right, made it even more worse because I, I it actually happened the way I thought it would that something big would happen very early and then the rest of the sh show would be kind of this is you know what giving you an insight of what's coming you know like right we they had to tie up all the loose ends uh, and and i'm glad that they did and i'm also you know I, I from a technical standpoint season eight and this episode is no different has been masterful uh, once again the sound editing in this episode was phenomenal uh the just the editing itself was amazing there were so many good pieces to what was happening here but the but these the story was it was just was so i don't know it just didn't feel complete although at the end i am really glad that they showed all the stark kids who survived all the way you know up until uh well for the most part all the surviving stark kids that, that they all went on their own ways, that they all were sort of, you know, scattered to the different places. But it basically the world is now controlled by Starks, which is an amazing premise to put forward if you go back to the beginning of the story and wonder what might happen. I mean, if you watch the series, I think, again, in retrospect, I don't feel like you would ever get the clue that Starks would rule the world, but it's, I liked that part. What I didn't like was just, you know, it just felt like it was um, narratively not put together in a way that made me go, Oh yeah, this is what's supposed, or not even this is what's supposed to happen, but wow, this, there's so much to unpack here. This could be really amazing. And instead it just kind of feels weak. Um, and I, I, I don't, I don't know. Sometimes I feel afraid about sort of putting that out there because I know there's a lot of people who feel very strongly that this is, you know, it's their favorite show. It's been great, but, but I, I, I can't, I just, I can't seem to excuse the sloppy storytelling of season 
definitely season eight and season uh, seven, but maybe even as far back as season six. So yeah, there you go. Um, in the chat room, Mikhail says, uh, the thing is the entire season because they got the Star Wars contract and he agrees with you. And he says season eight was horrible. Maybe good after two or three episode two or three. I see Keenan in the house as well. Uh, and uh, Eric, um, you know, um, it's interesting. I had an interesting conversation with someone and I'm not going to bust him out, but she was essentially saying she like likes this last season. Right. Mm-hmm. And she, she was entertained. You know, she does. She does say that, you know, she leaves room for that. There were, you know, things that could have been better. But her take is that uh, overall she enjoyed it. Right. And then mm-hmm. she said that she kind of she's bothered by people criticizing it. And she says that that um, people who I'm trying to remember exactly what she said. She said that people who um, who uh, um, people who. Uh, what was it that she said? People who um, criticize people's passion or something like that, it's unfair to them and yada, yada, yada. And I said, you know what? That goes in part of doing creative stuff. You know, it's like, right. you know, you're going to be criticized for the work that you do. That's just what it is. So if you're not, you know, if you're not able to deal with that, how you doing, Tachi? If you're not able to deal with being criticized for the work that you've done, you know, you, you may want a different um, job. You know but, also, but also, let's back up here for a second. Because, so this episode in particular, I think, is one of the best examples of why this it had so much potential. Every scene in this episode had incredible amounts of potential. And, and it it just sort of died off. And that is not to say that, and I've said this maybe a hundred times since just, just I've been involved in just the Game of Thrones podcast. It's, it's not that the show overall is bad. That's, that is so not what I'm saying. What I am saying and what I'm voicing as frustration is that episodically Game of Thrones continued to move in a uh, the only way I can describe it is a downward cycle from probably uh, maybe like mid season 6 or so on and there have been bright spots and there have been episodes that were better than others but if you look at the overall storytelling it stopped being vital and important and 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 it became something that they were hurtling toward the end of instead of extrapolating the the important pieces that would give us depth into the story that would make a and and it's not they have had so many chances to do little things that would have helped a lot and they've chosen to concentrate instead on big things that didn't mean as much and i realize that sounds like a profound word salad but it's really the way that it was. 
if every detail that they had paid attention to had mattered instead of doing these big grand spectacles that didn't matter, then I think we all would have been more satisfied. And this end episode makes me think just as much. The one small, tiny, itty bitty scene with Jon Snow reuniting with Ghost was better than almost every other scene Jon Snow was in except for in the Iron Throne Room. That is really, and that to me, that makes me so sad because Jon Snow's arc was so huge that to have it end in, in and, and I'm, I'm, take out the last piece just for a second where he's going off past the wall. Forget that for just a second. Everything that he did in the Capitol everything that happened to him in the Capitol, everything, he didn't even get a speaking chance in uh, before everybody, before the leaders of Westeros. Everything that they have led us to believe was important about the story and Jon Snow simply became not important. And I, I don't know how to reconcile that. So I understand what she's saying. And I hear th that that, I know why it can bother people. And that is why I'm sometimes maybe more cautious than not about what I say. But I think people have to understand that this story is such a magnificent story and everybody wanted it to succeed. But I don't think that just because you want it to succeed means that you can excuse sloppy storytelling. I think that that's just not okay. And if we don't hold people to better standards in storytelling, then we're just going to get a lot of junk. No, I agree. I agree. I'm I'm not look, they don't pay me to be nice, you know, just for the sake of it, you know what I mean? So I'm gonna talk freely. I'm gonna speak freely about what I feel. It's very disappointing. This season was very disappointing on so many levels. And it did feel rushed. It felt rushed. It felt like, you know, they got a lot of toys to play with and they, you know, and then of course as we talked before, they lost the blueprint. And they didn't know how to to um, get it to the end properly. Um, so let, let's start back at the beginning of this episode tonight. Um, and there's something I wanted to talk about, and that's the um, that is Tyrion. Now, the scene where he finds uh, his brother and sister. Uh, I thought that was cool uh, as far as having that moment where he had that closure of knowing what their ultimate outcome is, mm -hmm. right? Um, I think that if that had collapsed in like that, they wouldn't have been able to, you know, <laughs> like it didn't seem like that he would have been able to do that. But, you know, it's, it's you know, it is what it is. Um, but I thought that scene was very powerful. Um, so in that regard... I liked it, you know, um, and that kind of informed all of his decisions afterwards. And the scene where he throws off his, you know, his pin, you know, I, I thought that was really good and it was powerful. And, you know, it kind of reminded me of that scene reminded me a little bit of The Force Awakens with uh, Hux mm. when he's giving the speech to the First Order. 
Yeah, yeah, that's a good. Yeah, you're right. It's, you're right. A, it's <laughs> also it's also very reminiscent of what Ned Stark did when Ned Stark completely disagreed and said absolutely not to Robert Baratheon. No, 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 no. I mean, I'm talking about. I kind of switched. I'm sorry. Uh, Danny's speech. Oh, Danny's speech. The way that it looked. The way that it visually looked. Yeah. Oh, yeah, of, I see what you're saying. And yes, yeah, you're, you're right. Yes, yes. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I thought that was uh, that was uh, it, cool. And they're you know they're about to go do Star Wars. How you doing, uh, Brad? And it's clear from that it was very clear from Danny's speech that of course that that this was not the resolution that the, that that peace did not mean that they had taken King's Landing and now Danny was on the Iron Throne. That it meant something far different to. Daenerys than than even we understood from maybe or maybe we should have understood all the way through but just weren't given character cues to but one thing that I will say which I am you know kind of uh, I'm happy about is that in that moment they didn't make Daenerys sound like the mad Targaryen and and I am especially thankful about that because although her decision to burn King's Landing in retrospect, seems callous and, and cruel, and I, I don't even know how you begin to excuse it. I do think that what Jon Snow said to Daenerys really did resonate in some ways. In, in the, it, it, I can see, this is, this is exactly how people, even in our everyday lives, get trapped in thinking that do a little bad for the greater good. And that was, I think that that was a, a profound statement. That was actually one of the highlights for me. But the other thing that was also, I think, interesting was it, it Daenerys in that moment was as much of a queen, I think, as Cersei ever was, and and possibly more so. But but she was still the embodiment of of basically what Cersei on the on a different side was saying as well which is it, how can i even say this absolute power corrupts absolutely but it's not always because you are bad intentioned it's not always because you are a cersei lannister looking for you know whatever cersei was looking for i don't even want to go there but da daenerys's intentions were were perhaps better than normal. So I guess what I'm saying is I'm really glad that they didn't turn her into the mad King because I thought that that's where they were going to go after she went on her dragon flight of, of fire. She, well, I mean, she did mad queen already. So <laughs> she burnt up everything, but didn't that throne room look dope without, with the missing wall? Like, yeah, it did. I love that. Look, that set looked really cool. It did. But you know what? You can argue that she won in a way because she always wanted to get what she felt like it was hers and she did achieve it. Yep. Although it was very short lived, you can make an argument that, you know, okay, she got to, she didn't sit in the Iron Throne physically, but she, it was hers. Right. And then, and then once she died, her, you know, her dragon destroys it, which was a great scene. Um, you know, it was very, you know, that visual of the destruction of it was pretty cool. So um, did you think for a moment that Jon Snow was going to get burnt? I didn't. No. And we, as a matter of fact, uh, we were talking during the episode about Jon Snow being a Targaryen. 
and why it was so important that he was a Targaryen in that very moment in the throne room with all of the fire going around because we know that that's that that's actually a, a thing but but also the fact okay so just from uh, uh well i guess from from a symbolic standpoint the the fact that drogon destroyed the iron throne and melted it m- made me it, it actually brought back weird memories of uh what's his name uh daenerys's brother getting his crown of molten lava <laughs> metal on his head his crown of gold um but but aside from that piece, the idea that that no Targaryen, therefore nobody, if a Targaryen can't sit on the Iron Throne and Jon Snow was rightful heir, blah, 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 nobody can sit on the Iron Throne. That actually made a lot of sense to me. I mean, I, I feel like in that moment, I sort of knew where they were going narratively and it, and it was pretty good. That was really good. Yeah, I, no, I thought it was. I thought I do agree. I thought it was that was pretty cool. It, you know, once again, I'm I'm struck by the fact that that this show has gone out of its way, and and so ha- are the books. Really, I mean, George Martin goes out of his way to r- help us remember that the threat to humanity is always from within the ranks of humanity, and not an outside force. It's not the dead. It's not. Uh, it's it's not some fleeting army it the what matters is the small choices that we make they are the things that make us that make us good people it's not the giant choices that we make necessarily it's the small choices that we make and i mean they do i feel like they did i wish that they would have sort of extrapolated that out just a little bit more but i'm happy that that was at least included and i see that in this as well i see all the little choices mattering and that i think is really important because that's exactly what a song of ice and fire is really all about did you like the book uh a song of ice and fire i thought it was kind of tongue-in-cheek but it was uh, but i did like it I, I did feel like it was it was definitely an interesting uh uh shout out if you will i i i, I think that they did a good job with that yeah I also have to say that I really like the fact that Sam is on the council because that makes me truly happy. Yeah. Um, what do you think about how the Unsullied uh, reacted to Danny's death? I, I, you know, this, this is okay. So not that any of them were involved with any historical big productions, but clearly everyone who has been a writer on the show or the lead writers on the show understand history because that's exactly the same kind of thing that has happened in history especially in rome where you have the armies that basically take over power and then it takes something to break that power and usually it happens peacefully enough but there has to be some i i actually think that that was good i think that was smart of them to do because if they had just had anybody come in and say okay, well, now I'm going to... Then I feel like it would have just been so jumbled and so messy. And also, just so that you know, as we were sitting here, um, my son was saying to me uh, when Sam stood up and said, well, how about if we give everybody a vote? And I said, 
that this must just be a shout out to democracy because clearly they can't choose that. And, and Tristan, my son was, he laughed so hard because that exactly is a hundred percent what happened. It was just a little shout out to democracy. So that also made me happy. What's next? A vote for the dogs. Yeah, that was funny. And uh, it was cool seeing Tobias uh, Mendes back on the show. I think the last time we seen him was the red wedding. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, that was cool. And I, I like how he got up to give his speech. And then he, um, you know, it didn't go well for him. <laughs> no, I don't think anybody in their right mind could have thought that that was going to go well for him. Um, but I thought that was, um, I thought that was pretty funny. Yeah, that was a funny scene. Either so, I'm cutting in and out or you're cutting in and out. Oh, no. I mean, uh, no, no, no. We're good. I think we're good. Um, yeah. So yeah. everybody can hear us. All right. So um, uh, oh, uh, Braun, not to be, uh, not to be uh, confused with Brian, the broken. And, and <laughs> side note, uh don't add broken to my, my nickname, <laughs> like don't to my name and think it, it doesn't. No, that's not cool. I don't want to be Kente the broken. I don't think you want to be Jen the broken. That does not make make it cool. So uh, no, no, no. It was definitely less than. They should have given him a more heroic title, but eh, whatever. And the broken, or shouldn't it be three eyed raisin, raisin, <laughs> three eyed raven the broken. I don't. I see. I think. Th okay. That this is where this is where I start to uh, have philosophical dif differences in the way that they presented the story, because what from what I understand, the Three Eyed Raven, this to be involved in something as mundane as 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 and as ridiculous as that sounds as ruling the six kingdoms. Or even acquiescing that there are just six kingdoms and one kingdom can be independent. Any of that, that feels so un Three-Eyed Raven. And I, I, I think I sort of know where they were trying to go because Tyrion's speech said, you know, there is nothing more powerful or more basically unbroken than a story. And so who better than the keeper of all stories to lead? But and and maybe if they had sort of explained that more, maybe I would have been more convinced. But it feels so not the three-eyed raven to be there. And for Bran to say, well, you know, why do you think I'm here, doesn't feel right. It, it feels wrong. It, it feels untrue to the rest of everything that they expected us to believe about Bran and who the three-eyed raven is. And so I don't I don't know. I don't know how to feel about that. Mm. Yeah, I don't I don't know either. Um I do feel like uh I, I do feel like uh that's an interesting turn that his you know his character went. Um and uh I don't know man it's I, I don't know I have to think about that. I guess I need more to think about how I feel about that, but uh, but Bron, I was so glad to see him back, and uh, yeah, 
I love, you know, he's one of my favorite characters on the show. He, I, I kind of wish he had more to do with this season. But, yeah. But, uh, you know, I, I mean, you can't bring everybody because he's one of my favorites. But, um, yeah, I, I really think that um, uh, I really enjoyed how he came back and all of that, all of that stuff. Um, uh, also, just, just before I forget, uh, it, for anybody who gets a chance to see this again watch the opening credits again because the opening credits were actually really interesting this time they what what they did animation style or not animation style but what they did with the animation was actually kind of interesting so you should definitely go back and take a look at it are you are you sad that uh danny didn't become queen uh personally no i i don't it's bittersweet you know, it's it, it. There is a uh, a level of sadness about watching someone rise in power so much, but honestly, last episode sort of broke that feeling that well, maybe she'll do what's right and just for the Seven Kingdoms, and you know, then we can sort of have some resolution with the hope that something happens after, you know, something like that, that would have, to me, that would have been, I, I just feel like it would have been more satisfactory, but last episode when she fired the town, it's really hard to come back from that. It's, it's, you know what I mean? Right. I mean, I feel like, I feel like my morning was actually last episode when when her choice was to burn thousands and thousands of people in King's Landing. You're not uh, okay with mass murder? On a general level, no, no, no. Oh, it, okay. it, it actually, you know what actually bothers me more than anything? What bothers me more than anything is how quickly the Dothraki and uh, the Unsullied simply took orders and didn't question at all. Because that is such a, that's such a, a, a dangerous thing that if they had had more time to explore it, wow. I mean, that's such a huge, if you have an army of that size and they are loyal to you to a fault, but then never question even the even even execution of prisoners as an example for gray worm uh, the, it, that that's a pretty powerful thing to have at your disposal and the the fact that daenerys the fact that when daenerys told jon snow it will be a world of mercy but we have to be unmerciful first before we can build that says everything that you need to know about why she had to die I love that too. That what a great line. Oh yeah, we'll have mercy, but I just need to kill some people first. Uh, exactly. Yeah. Get to the mercy and, part. <laughs> and and like, you know, that's like saying to your wife, like the woman that you're just about to marry. No, I, I'm gonna be cheating on you the first three years to get to <laughs> not gonna be part of my memory. <laughs> we gotta get you to know the cheating part first, the cheating era. But you know that that line or those lines, I should say, that whole throne room uh, uh, dialogue and exchange, uh, that to me that wasn't ham-handed. To me, that was actually really it was well done. It was well done in in the sense. I mean, I wish there could have been more. But and and I I the part where he kills her felt really I don't know oversimplified. But the but the dialogue was actually quite good and 
very there's there's a difference between like the way that an actor delivers a line and the way that you know that the writer intended it and in this one case it felt very much like everything sort of came together and it and it what mattered was what was spoken and i think that that was actually well done even daenerys's expressions just seemed to match everything that was sort of going on like i mean she's almost giddy inside about having the iron throne and remembering back to when she was a child and couldn't count to 20. And those, these things matter in the overall scope of how she was behaving. And yet she still couldn't say um, that, that there was a place for mercy before the wheel was broken. No, after the wheels broken, then we can start discussing mercy. You, tell me why people like Sansa. Uh, you, you know, that's a. I sometimes I, I think not a fan of Sansa. I, maybe I still hold it because how she was in the beginning, but I, I mean, what does she do to be the queen of the North? Besides, I mean, what just because she's a Stark? I mean, is that it? Like, the, I mean, the full dessert. I don't. I I, I don't think that. Th- Uh oh, you're breaking up. Okay, okay I'm back. Okay. There we go. Um, I, I think that that what has happened is uh is people are so hungry for strong female leads that 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 sometimes I think you can read things into uh situations and um and and come away with something different than maybe what was intended. But also, you know, I don't think that this is the character's fault because I think the character of Sansa is actually written pretty good. I, I like the Sansa character, especially in um, George Martin's books. But the, but the, I think that the problem with Sansa is that, is that they don't, first of all, they just don't give her enough to make her convincing as somebody who um, is sort of the, uh, is sort of the, the 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 queen of the north. They don't they don't make her. They don't give her all of that stature. I, they, I, it's like it's everything is sort of all. Remember last week when I was saying that I really hated the way that they pulled together that whole line about hey, if all these bad things hadn't happened to me, I wouldn't be as strong as I am, and all of that. And putting that aside, just saying that sort of brings you to where Sansa is. She is the components of all the bad things that have happened to her instead of being the stately queen that we feel like has earned her place in the North. And that is, fundamentally, I think that's different. Like, you can see all the things that Dan uh, Daenerys has learned over her lifetime trying to, you know, get to the Iron Throne, but you can't really see that with Sansa. And so I, I don't think it's a fault of Sansa, the character. I think it's a fault of the way that Sansa is written. Does that make sense? I mean, I mean, she's not a, a, human, a real life human being. So, it, I mean, it all goes back to the way she's written. But I don't know. I was very surprised because I didn't talk about the show a lot with a lot of different people until like really in the last couple of years. And then, so, you know, I have my, the way that I feel about certain characters. And I was just surprised how many people say how much they love Sansa. And I'm like, 
like to me, she's so unlikable as a character. Um, you know, I like Arya way better than Sansa. Uh, I actually I liked um, Cersei. I can understand why some people wouldn't like Cersei, but I actually liked her character way better. Uh, like like people who like Danny and people who like was pretty surprising that so many people liked. Uh oh, you're having a micro microphone issue. Everything okay? Hello, Jen. Jen. Okay, so we're having some technical difficulties. We're waiting for uh, Jen to uh, get back. Um, just to let people know, of course, you can um, please uh, get me on Twitter at Kente F. On there we Twitter. go. Jen, do we have you yeah. back? Yeah. Yeah, I was kind of surprised, though, how many people like Sansa and liked Danny. Um, I mean, I liked Danny at first. But then, you know, I would go on to not like her character. Um, and uh, so I don't know. It, it, I just when people say, oh, man, I really like Sandra. She's, you know, um, but that but that but but that is I, I do think that that is that 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 is when I was saying that 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 there's a difference between you know, the way Sansa's written. I think what I was trying to say was there's a difference between the way that Sansa is written in the book, in the books and the way that Sansa is written for the series. And uh, it's, I mean, obviously that was going to happen because there's the source material is missing, but there's a, can you still hear me? Yeah, I hear you. But there's a, but I also think that there's a disconnect where people are latching onto any, anything that shows strength because there are so few sort of women that take on that role um, that they latch onto them for perhaps not exactly the right reasons. But I'll t I'll tell you what I came up with about wait, wait, Sansa. Wait, can you answer that real quick? That's yeah. just not true on Game of Thrones. There's so many strong women the show uh, on the show. There's like tons of there's so You're right. many strong women it, it, on the show. In, in Game still, of Thrones, there are. You're right. There's more. There's more strong women on the, the show than uh, men. In the end, <laughs> like you know, so like uh, the the guys, uh, like it's funny they dug up some guys at the end uh, to to be on the council, but for the most part, the women were pretty much running it. Uh, and um, oddly enough, it's it's interesting that I think we all assume some one of the late female characters may end up on the throne. Um, I'm talking about going into the season, but, mm -hmm. but I just, you know, but anyway, so, um, it's interesting that, uh, but, you know. but, but you know what, but I also think one other thing, I also think that, that especially women, as, as some women see Sansa as being the, the quintessential person that gets kicked around and abused and, and it doesn't seem like it matters to anyone and then sort of rises above it in in a way that is more like a hey i can beat the system then and that's why i'm saying that there's a difference between her rise to power and daenerys's rise to power sansa's rise to power feels a lot more like uh i'm not going to let life defeat me and daenerys's rise to power feels more purpose driven uh, like there are very specific goals that need to be uh met and but i think that people like her simply because she is 
undefeated by life. That I just think that that is where that comes from. But see, though, okay, Bolton is one thing. So let's annex the Bolton part, right? The Joffrey thing, I never really felt bad for her with Joffrey because very early on, she totally wanted to be the queen, Mary and Joffrey and all of that. And that was but the she thing. was a kid, but she was a kid. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Uh, it does. ass, no, we grew up fast over here in Westeros. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that was one thing that annoyed the shit out of me with her. That's That's what turned me off of her character very early on. And so everything you know and then when it didn't go her way then she was like oh wow i'm you know i'm this victim i'm like what you know you signed up for that and then yeah bolton that was different because you know that was uh you know she was violated by him but and then she ended up getting revenge or whatever but but um i just don't see her as this great character, she was a mess to me. Uh, in the end, they they basically have her, you know, where she's all of a sudden. She, it's like to me, she's like n- nothing she did. Uh, like Arya, you know, trained and did all of this stuff, you know, and you know, always, you know. And she, one thing I loved about, I think the reason why I loved Arya way more than I love Sansa was that Arya was always loyal to House Stark. I felt like there was no kind of there was no kind of mixed feelings or whatever. It was always that's my family and I'm riding with my family. Where right. it felt like Sansa in the beginning was like, well, you know, I mean, I'll go over here. And then when they started treating her bad, then it was like, oh yeah, I'm a Stark. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like that's the thing that annoyed me about her. And then when I, you know, when people like, I don't see her as strong at all. Well, you you won't get any argument from me at all. And like I said, the, 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 the people that we like to see rise to power are the people who have somehow, quote unquote, earned it. I, and I don't care whether... The women. Women, what's the that? Women, uh, the women, the one that uh, had to watch her daughter die the poison at the hands of Cersei's kiss, uh, the women of Dorne that them was some strong chicks you know what i'm saying like they yeah and as far as we know she's she could still be alive in the basement i know right because they had yeah huh i never even thought about that and by the way i have she is very attractive she was on um, luther season one and she was also on the show rome the woman that plays the, the mother i can't remember what her character's name but uh she's very beautiful uh that woman but anyway uh, i digress all, all, yes, all of those, uh, all of those vipers were, yes, amazing. The, the main viper, though, that was she was a beautiful woman. Yeah, she was totally wasted on Prince Oberyn. I agree. Prince Oberyn was cool. I like Prince Oberyn. Prince Oberyn, Prince Oberyn was a great. He, I mean, he he served a purpose, but you, I, his death was so glorious. But man, you kind of wish that he was maybe on like a full season or something, but kudos to the, to the actor, Pablo Pascal. He sure, mm. I mean, he's a really good actor and he's really taken that and his career is like really amazing. Uh, he has like a really good career and he's always solid in everything he's in. He's really, yeah. he's a good actor. So. That, you know, that uh, we, it, just, just before we uh, sat down to watch Game of Thrones, the, the, this last time, this, this very last uh, episode, we had a about 
why we felt like we have sat through eight seasons of this show and why we have been so compelled to follow the story, aside from the fact that, you know, pop culture basically demands it. But the there's an I think that what we came up with was in in its if you look at everything in a macrocosm, what you find is that there is a lot of excellence to this show. There are so many pieces of this show that have been excellently done from technical from a technical perspective to the actors uh to some really brilliant pieces of cinematography and all kinds of things in between the 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 reason that we have all sat through eight seasons of this show is because we continued from the 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 first time that you get hooked on uh game of thrones is because there is something incredibly compelling about all of these different people. I mean, just going back and remembering sort of some of the early performances by uh, Cersei, it's amazing that at season eight, although they didn't write her a really great piece for season eight, she she still had commanding presence. And that is truly rare for almost any I can think of except, you know, truly the greats like Breaking Bad and the Sopranos and where you have such incredible uh, magnetism from the characters all the way through. So, you know, yes, maybe there's some Sansas and yes, maybe there's some, um, some characters that are not as rememberable as others, but for the most part, when Jorah left and then came back, he was still just as strong as he was when he left. And I feel like that is, that is a credit to the writing because the characters did maintain, if nothing else, they did maintain a sense of continuity to who they had been written to be. Does that, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. The only, the only one that honestly to me doesn't make any sense. And only in season eight, it doesn't, it make sense is one, the quick turn of Daenerys, although I could see that the turn was probably going to be inevitable. I just didn't like how quick it was. But the one that really doesn't make sense to me is the whole Jon Snow character arc from basically season seven. I don't understand it. I don't, I just don't get it. Yeah. Uh, no, I agree with you. I, I, I most certainly agree with you. Um, I'll say this. This needs to be said. This is kind of off the subject, right? This is off the subject, mm-hmm. but I feel like it's something that needs to be said. Okay. All the people out there who think that Game of Thrones, like I hear people say this phrase, maybe you've heard it. And same thing they say with Lord of the Rings. You know, back in the Lord of the Rings or Game of Thrones times, there was no Game of Thrones. <laughs> Or like, there's people who actually believe, like this is an historical <laughs> type thing. Like, there's people that believe oh, that this is like some sort of documentary or something, or you know, some sort of, you know, like, like it's based on medieval history or something. And I'm like, uh, no, I, like I actually got in an argument with someone who said the phrase, you know, back in the Game of Thrones times, there was no, there's no period of human history where there were uh, the Ice King and dragons and, you know, like, I mean, obviously there's a, there's fictional lore, but 
it's not no there was no game of thrones times this is not you know this wasn't um you know how you know we got our current map you know before it was you know like no and it's so funny well, that so many people there's people that literally believe that so okay so so i read a series called um called crown of stars which is by one of my favorite uh authors her name is kate elliott and this and it's very um i won't call it similar to game of thrones but it has that game of thrones feeling in fact anybody who's um sort of into that kind of high fantasy epic it it is actually amazingly written and it, it has all of those overtones to it but the but the the critical piece to it is that it is written in an economic feudal society and that's where i feel like people forget that feudal society is not the fantasy is not there there was a time that we lived in a feudal economy right i mean we, there were knights there were but but th this is such a gross misrepresentation of what feudal economy was even like and also in fact, this is one of the things that we, because we watched the uh, the last episode, we watched uh, episode, the, the prior one, the one where she burns the city, the, the bells. Um, we watched that before we watched this. And I, as they were, as she was sort of aerially looking down at King's Landing, I thought, wow, that doesn't look like any medieval town I have ever seen ever. Because it's just way too built up because it's just, I mean, clearly this is just a fantasy thing. But it, you're right. It's funny the way that people take it as, oh, this must be based on history. So they just threw in the dire wolves and the ice king and the dragon, but everything else feels pretty authentic. And it's like, um, no, no, no. Some people, close. Think, some people think that's part of it too. Wow. That's kind of scary. Yeah, it is very scary. So, I felt like, uh, hey, Coco. Uh, um, Just because they make a series of something doesn't mean it's based on right. history. Right, it's real, yeah. Uh, <laughs> and I, and I, I saw Coco on Twitter uh, just now, and um, Nicole, and uh, she was saying, she seemed like she wasn't a fan of this finale either. So, uh, you're in company, uh, Nicole. Um, but... Um, I don't know, man. I just feel like uh, I feel like uh, this left a lot to be desired. Um, it's unfortunate because, you know, it deserved better. You know, so you, you know, you know how you know that you're not expecting much from a series finale. Mm -hmm. The way that you know it is when you see the preview for his dark materials, and you're more excited about his dark materials as a, uh, a the, because it was an extended preview of it, then you are for the series finale of the show that you've been watching for almost a decade. That, it, I mean, I realized in that moment how little I had really expected from this episode. And yet I still didn't feel like it met even the minor expectations that I sort of set out for what I hoped the season finale would be. It's funny because again, uh, my son was saying that he felt like what had happened was they spent so much time on the, what could possibly come next and sort of tying up so many of the loose ends 
that they forgot that there was something bigger that should have happened um that you know as a series finale it should have left us with a sense of breathlessness and instead it just made us sigh and i felt like that was actually a pretty good representation that's sort of how i felt too um and welcome nicole how you doing hey uh i am underwhelmed (laughs) (laughs) yes i think you're in good company yeah yeah I, I've been saying that really since uh, the first episode for season eight. Um, it, I knew something was off with the way the direction was going with the dialogue. I was like, this dialogue is not hitting right now. I was like, well, they are out of source material. But by the second episode, I knew it wasn't going to get better. And then as the season continued, I was like, now they're using action to replace dialogue. Yes, yes, and, you're and totally right. Stares, and vacant stares to to kind of emulate what, what they're trying to convey. And it's like, no, you need dialogue for that. I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> for, for a series that has been heavily based on dialogue and then for it to be, uh, for lack of a better phrase, kind of, cheap dialogue um it just really wasn't hitting like even like this last episode with them around the table with Tyrion and Bronn and everybody else that just came across so cheap and juveniles like it had no real character no real substance to what they were trying to say and I was just like I am beyond I was uh, I've been, okay, I've been, okay, I haven't used this word except for this season. And the word I'm about to say is fuckery. Yes. I have been saying fuckery for this entire season. And this is the only show that I've used it for. This show has been, or this season has been complete and utter fuckery. And I've been saying it with the same voice of this is Sparta, you know, right. this is Sparta. I've been saying the same way. This is fuckery mm-hmm. the entire way. You know, I'll say this. If the only sin of this season was the final episode. It would have been okay. Yeah, I would have been like, you know. Yeah. I, but I think the other five episodes, they were so underwhelming that it just yeah. made it even worse. Because I think most of us would have taken this final episode as, okay, not net. Like a farewell goodbye. Yeah. Right. But no, yeah. the entire season. Right. So when they when they missed on the other episodes, like royally, it just makes it just compounds how bad this final it just made this final episode that much worse because we you're hoping for a last gasp of something, you know, and really you knew it wasn't you weren't gonna get it. You also, know? Oh, yeah. also, also, and and I think also <clears throat> one of the things that actually makes this uh, perversely worse is that the last episode we know was actually directed by the lead writers. <laughs> yeah, and so because of that, it, it just sort of makes you go, well, so you had total creative control out of the whole thing, and this is what you came up with? I mean, it's not, you know, I, and again, I, I'm, I, I, st- I do oftentimes, again, pulling this out to a macrocosm, or pulling it into a macrocosm, I should say, I am oftentimes absolutely astounded by the amount of money that they are able to sort of come up with and use. It is, it is absolutely unbelievably amazing. And they do some amazing things in the moment, 
But when you look at, when you pull back from it, it's like looking at the beautiful leg of a, of a centipede. And it, the leg is so gorgeous. And actually, centipede's legs are kind of cool. But when you look at the whole thing, it's a centipede. It's like, ew, this is really gross. That is what this, I feel that sense of what has small moments of wonderment when you pull back from it is really just sort of grotesque. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's like they just, they, it, you know, what's so funny is it, it's almost like I feel like the Wizard of Oz. Like the curtain got pulled back, and you like really see that you know the emperor has no clothes. You know, it's like you're just like, um, well, there were so many mixed metaphors in that, it was crazy. That was right, crazy. right. Okay. That's what no, you call a malafor. That's a malafor, <laughs> malafor right? Malafor, yeah. It's like, you know, at first you're like, oh, these guys are really good. You know, you're like, wow, you know, these guys really got it. And then when they ran out of book material, it's like, these guys don't know what the hell they do. The thing is, I, I thought season seven, even without source material, season seven was still fairly decent. Like, no, I can I still go back and watch episodes. Yeah. I, I, I did like material for that. There's no material for season seven, but mm -hmm. they did pretty good considering they didn't have anything. Now, this season, I was, it, I was like, <laughs> I, was, I was like, okay, can put, I put it like this. Now that I found out, even just now with you saying they directed even like the final episodes, I have no intention of going to go see Star Wars whatsoever. If yeah. they are directing this, I have no desire to see them do Star Wars. And they're doing a franchise. I'll, I'll tell you, I'll tell you one thing. I'll tell you one thing. They they really need and I, I say this with all honest sincerity, they really, really need to work on their transitional cuts. And I don't, I don't mean this like to sound like some kind of, uh, uh, like I'm critiquing the technology to the point of, you know, circumventing what the story is. But honestly, this episode was so jarring because of the way that they did their transitions where the, 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 the story pause moments to move from, from basically scene to scene or, piece to piece within this episode was so awful it it, it lacked it, it lacked any kind symmetry. of i'm sorry say that again symmetry lack symmetry is just disjointed well, it, right it lacked a cohesive sense of okay logically this is what would come next and don't get me wrong because the, i'm not talking about the transitions like you know camera up into this or camera down into this or you know fit into none of that. I'm talking about just for the moments that you're supposed to take a breath story-wise, their transitions were either incredibly long, which is also very jarring, or so short that you don't even get a chance to digest what has just happened before you are thrown into the next piece. And that we're not in that kind of storytelling. That's storytelling for the battles. That's storytelling for what we saw last episode. This episode, if they really wanted to, it should have been an, a, a pacing that would have made a little bit more cohesive sense and instead what we got was sometimes it was cohesive sometimes it was just incredibly um jarring is probably the best word i can come up with it just felt intrusive like uh, what are you guys doing that that is that to me is the biggest problem that they have right now other than their storytelling i i i found it just outlandish like like for instance gray worm i was just like who are you to be telling that somebody needs to be punished? You have no leader. What are you, what are you talking about? 
are you going to say somebody's got to be punished? You're you're a, <laughs> a leader of an army, but you have no queen. You have no king. What do you? But I don't. <laughs> I don't see though. But to be honest with you, I felt like if he, let's, we're assuming he must have walked in, and obviously Jon Snow confessed, right? I see Grey Worm killing him, killing him right away. Like, well, Grey Worm. So Grey Worm was was confirmed before she died by Daenerys as Master of War, you know, Master of the Armies and whatever. And I I think what they were trying to say, but see, this is the problem with sloppy storytelling. I think what they were trying to say was the armies accepted Daenerys's last words as ironclad law. So Grey Worm was in charge until there was some other leadership available. And and specifically about Jon Snow, I think what they were trying to say was the Dothraki and the Unsullied couldn't let him go, that he had to somehow... But the reason they hadn't executed him is because they hadn't come up with this is what we should actually do. There was there was no resolution you to miss that. What I, you missed what I'm saying. You missed what I'm saying. I'm saying that he, in, when it comes to Daenerys and Masandri, Masan, how you say her name? Masandri. Like it's emotion. So he loves those two women the most. So I don't see him. Right, he all that goes out the window. If he, if, yeah, if him, yeah. her, him, him saying I killed her. I just see him trying to kill. Like to me, I thought they were going to fight. I don't know. I don't. I don't see that because he was so um, so uh, tunnel vision with killing all of the uh, Lannister armies, or I should say, soldiers. Yeah, he just killed them. But, the, but, but that was but that was a Daenerys's request. That was a Daenerys's yeah, request, she- and I. I do see that Grey Worm was was far more of a uh, of a uh, leader isn't even the right word. His, for him, order is everything. And even in the moment when he broke ranks with John, he was not breaking ranks with Daenerys. I've actually had time to no, think no, about no, that. No, 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 no. You missed what I'm saying. I'm saying it's like his rudder is gone now that she's not there. So I, I think that's I think that's I no I don't think that's true. Yeah, can I finish? <laughs> Let me make the point. Okay. <laughs> but what I'm saying is, I I felt like to me it would have been more believable if we saw that moment where maybe, uh, like he walked he maybe he should have walked in as the dragon was taking her off and then he you know I I felt like. I just don't see him saying, okay, well, you know what? Turn around. Let's put these handcuffs on you. I just don't see that, especially how yeah, emotional I didn't, I didn't he is. See it either. I was just like, you got John looking like he looking like he made grandma's cookies <laughs> in this room with, the, with all the long hair and stuff. And it's like, well, how how could Grey Worm not snap? He lost Masande right. and he snapped on all the soldiers. He, I mean, he went hard. He threw his stuff down. He was like, y'all still dying. And for him to kill, um, but the- Daenerys, that was like his last connection to Masande. Right. For him, for John, to kill Mas- uh, Daenerys, that no. just he was just so composed about it. That just didn't, it didn't seem like but- for me. Daenerys, he got Masande. I don't. In this, in this one instance, I think you guys are wrong. I think, I think Grey Worm is at his heart and always has been one of the unsullied his 
his identity is not with Daenerys. His identity is not with Missandri. His identity is as one of the Unsullied. That is his identity. And therefore, in that moment, or whatever we didn't see with Jon, his sense of loyalty was still to the Unsullied. Even if Daenerys was the biggest part of, you know, creating the Unsullied army, it was honestly... Uh, a sense of duty and loyalty to them that he didn't his hand both with Tyrion and with uh with John but I, to me it makes sense he didn't keep his hand with with uh Masande because when those soldiers threw their swords down he attacked them. yes but again that was because Den- we understand <clears throat> we understand from the scene where they, where in this episode he, they are going to execute prisoners that Daenerys told him even before the battle that all enemies uh, uh, that all uh, I forgot how he said it but basically anybody who followed Cersei anyone who chose to serve with Cersei is an enemy of hers and therefore had to die and and so I think that there is again I see I think this all could have been cleared up with a tiny bit of dialogue and it would and it could have happened exactly at the time that Jon Snow and Grey Worm were talking and if they had just clarified that little bit of dialogue it would have made everything but this was sloppy storytelling again and here we are see we're having a conversation about uh, about a uh, a dynamic that I think existed but was never spoken and that is a problem okay so do you think john killing daenerys did that automatically make him an enemy i i don't know if it made him an enemy once daenerys is gone then i don't know if that does yes that makes me the person that gave you an order (laughs) i mean that sounds like an enemy to me but but it, but I but I don't know. See, I think this is a little bit more convoluted. I feel like we are making this more convoluted than it actually is. In in the sense that I I do acknowledge that it is sloppy, but I think that the over that there is a reach here, which is basically that Grey Worm is at his and at, 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 to his core, he is one of the Unsullied. He's not. <clears throat> just Daenerys's puppet. He's not just anything. He is one of the Unsullied. And I feel like, did, what did we see? Okay, what me, did we see in that scene? Wait, me, what did we see in that scene when Daenerys walks to the stairs and she's looking out at the armies? What did we see? We saw the Dothraki and everybody else sort of in the background and they were totally unorganized and they were completely doing their own thing. So if you want to make an argument that somebody should have killed Jon Snow, it would have been the Dothraki, not the Unsullied. Because look at the Unsullied. They are in perfect lines. They are in perfect discipline. They are going to do exactly what Grey Worm tells them to do. Right, let, I, me, I, let me ask you this question. So say like Grey Worm was in there when it happened. And when they hugged and kissed and then he finds out that she had you know, when he pulls back, you find out that she was stabbed in the belly. You're telling me that he would have just said, all right, come here. I'm going to arrest you for that. No, no, that's not what I'm saying. I, what I'm saying is, first of all, we don't know how much time went by before they, they no, found I'm, her I'm, or whatever. No, I'm giving you another scenario where he was there when it happened. In that case, in that case, I think a crime of passion could absolutely have happened. But I think that's exactly what it would have been. It would have been a crime of passion. And so his whatever intellect Grey Worm in, embodies as being the unsullied first wouldn't have had time to kick in. 
I mean, it's the crime of punishment. Let me disagree with this statement. Um, I think it was uh, episode two uh, when he was talking to Masande. Mm -hmm. And he says, you know, where do you want to go? And she's like, I want to go back to Knott. And he was like, yeah, once we get done with her business, I'm out. Mm -hmm. So I, I think he took a departure from the image of being unsullied because he wanted a new life. At but that that's before, right? But that was before. That was before she died. Right, but he 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 had made that transition. So I don't. I I he, don't know. Well, I mean, it's it's fair to dis. You know, it's okay to disagree. Um, yeah, I I I saw a different take from him. That well, also, um, I I think also I I have to say this just as sort of a, a part of my the cautionary tale of how I view. Game of Thrones altogether. I, I I've read up everything up to where Martin is right now. So oh well, I mean everything that's been published. And so sometimes I'm colored a little bit in my understanding of who the characters are by what I've read about them, or what I haven't read about them. Um, and it and sometimes I get the the feeling that that what we read into these characters, I think I can sort of understand where the writers are trying to go with them. And I can see that background, but I can't, I, in this, I mean, I, in this particular case, I understand why you guys disagree with me, but I feel like this is still where I, I understand things. I don't think that we would have needed to see that scene with Daenerys at the top of the stairs, addressing the unsullied army and the Dothraki for just Tyrion to throw down his hand sigil I, I feel like that was not the intent of this the intent of this was to show us that the army was still very much a vital thing and that it had order and discipline even if it had its own order and discipline like the dothraki doing their own dothraki thing but that it but that it very much was still a living breathing unit and so with gray worm being attached to that i don't see gray worm just abandoning all of those people and going yeah i'm just going to do whatever i want to do for my own sake i just i don't i don't know i just that's, don't see but that. that's not how i view it i view it as as you know it's like uh think about this um do you remember the last jedi yeah sadly okay. When when they killed Snoke, what did his men do? They went into fight mode. Now they all got their ass whooped, but the point is, their here their leader was dead, and they tried to avenge their leader's death. Right when you know when he was murdered, and I feel like that's that seems like more what would happen to me is kind of like going into that mode. Yeah, mm. I, I, I think so too. I I think he would have snapped. Um, but, but the the whole season is just riddled with just poor execution of the dialogue. Not no, I take that back. No, because they did the best they could with the dialogue. I think it was just poorly uh, implemented. It was sloppy they, storytelling. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, I was like, going to go with this. Um, it it was just just. The whole season was just the 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 thing is beginning at the end of season seven, 
right? Because I saw this coming. I think I feel like I saw this coming. I was looking back at my show notes, the notes that I sort of take on all the series that I like. And the last thing that that sort of jumps out to me as, okay, this is when I really started thinking that things were going bad is there, there have been moments where there were plenty of moments, I should say, in season seven, where I felt like, look, this, this is, it's not just that this isn't going where I expected it to go. It's that whatever end game they have in mind, they are not doing anything to lay down foundation to get there. And, and that is to me, that is such a huge problem because look, nobody likes to think that they are, you know, dumb or that, you know, they can't figure something out or that they don't see a wider allegory. And I feel like that's one of the things that sort of embraced everybody through game of thrones altogether through all these seasons is that is that from the very beginning up until probably season six or so it was very concretely laid out we saw a lot of things that even if they didn't make total sense to us they made sense in the moment we got glimpses of things that we understood were going to happen later when sam kills the white walker with the obsidian all of these things sort of made a bit of sense, right? We kind of got a, a hint of what might come later. But here, we have so much that is going on that was never properly set down foundationally. And even if it makes sense in the moment, it makes in the grand arc of the story. And so in this season, in season eight altogether, what we have is a story that even if it could have existed the way that it existed at the close of this episode, it doesn't make a whole lot of satisfaction sense to us because the foundation for what's here wasn't laid out properly. Now you can argue that it was laid out. Right. hundred percent. I think you are right. I think they destroyed character arcs. They took seven seasons to build in a matter of, you know, one, two episodes. They because, destroy. It, because it was no longer uh, efficient for them to use those characters. I mean, to me, the greatest sin of Game of Thrones actually is the abandonment whole cloth of what I feel like was the primary lore of Game of Thrones, which is that uh, complicated mythology of the old gods and the new gods. That is just completely gone. It's just totally yep. gone. And, and it, yep. there's no reason for it to be gone. I realize that it is hard to to put in because you're going in a direction that is all about the episodic uh, violence of claiming the throne and battles and, and political machinations, but they did it effectively in the first couple of seasons. It, they just abandoned it. And that actually bothers me. It, but it's this, to me, that's just the, the, the most obvious of it. It's not the end of it. That's just one of the most obvious things. They've done it with so many storylines. But also, though, to be fair to them, I can't believe I'm about to say this, is that they, you know, they were in world building mode, right? And then now to to finish it off, you're in end game mode, which is which the show is just going to naturally be different. You know? So just give you know what the, it it takes it literally would have taken maybe one minute of dialogue in a couple of different episodes over the past three seasons to make it make sense, and instead they chose to just completely abandon it. So yes, you're right. 
this resolution mode is not the same as world building mode. That is definitely for sure. But there is no excuse for abandoning a storyline, or I shouldn't even say a storyline, for abandoning an entire world that was created simply because you don't know how to bring it to resolution. That, again, I feel like you that know, is I'm just totally sloppy mad. storytelling. I'm probably mad at you, Jen. Why? Because you're making me defend those guys, and I hate defending those guys. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even know how you can defend them. I mean, it... it <laughs> no, I mean, no, I... I I'm not I'm I'm only defending one aspect of the thing is like it isn't gonna be what seasons one through four or five or six is gonna be. But the thing that I'm I mean, I, I don't expect it to have the same kind of flow. It's gonna be a different flow because we're re- getting to the resolutions. But I just wanna like it though. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like that's right. my with it. Because be with you they, they destroyed the character arcs, they lost the core of the characters. John can't think worth a darn. He I cannot. It's like you, got, you. Do you really have to have Arya explain stuff to you? Like you're the you're the rightful heir to the throne. You're not going to last long. See what you know. What was missing? What was missing out of the entire Jon Snow arc was inner monologue. And and I and I, I'm not saying that there's any way to bring inner monologue into a Game of Thrones, but the, but that's the problem with having characters that just have what we perceive as just inner monologue of some kind of fight that we can never hear. If we had even if Jon Snow had articulated to other people the stuff that was going on inside of his head, I feel like maybe some of it would have made more sense. But it doesn't because we can't hear his thoughts. Exactly, like you know, when she was kissing him, you know, in the previous episode, and she's just like, "I'm just your queen." He's like, well, "You're also my aunt." Something like that, just to show that he's having difficulty mm-hmm. on a romantic level. That would have just been so evident. It's like, you're you're still my aunt. We're family. I have we from the north. We don't do stuff like that. You know, something. And she should have been like, he's like, he's scared of it now. It's like, she said, she should have said, well, here in uh, King's Landing, family's fair game. <laughs> I feel like that's what she was telling him in the throne room. Hey, if Cersei and Jamie did it, we can definitely do it. Well, yeah. You know, yeah, I, 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 I want to say one good thing about this episode because, well, actually, yeah, I'm just going to say it about this episode, although I think season eight has been pretty strong for this particular character. So although I don't like all the choices that they had Tyrion do, I will say that in this episode, I did feel like the the character of Tyrion was at, at, I guess, both humbled and understood that his overreach was not, that not just were there consequences for his overreach, but that his overreach was actually a a character flaw. And uh, like from the deepest sense of profound, I wish that there was a way to take this back, was conveyed. I did really feel that for him. I liked that the the, just everything that goes along with, especially Tyrion's uh, conversation with Jon Snow about why uh, Daenerys is not a benevolent dictator. Why we cheered for her when she crucified the slavers. Why we cheered for her when she liberated all the people. The, it, it, there's, there's an interesting 
sort of dynamic to be had there, which I feel like was done really well. But you know who didn't give any information in that scene about how they felt about it was Jon Snow. So it was just sort of all about Tyrion. Yeah. He said two things this whole season. I don't want it. (laughs) It was the other one. I don't know. It was just like... Okay, so... I don't want to sleep with my auntie. Okay, so so to go back... So to go back to uh, one of our all-time favorite lines in Game of Thrones, we can all now say without any hesitation and with 100% perfect certainty that you know nothing, Jon Snow. Yes. And still, he still knows absolutely nothing. Yeah. He's he's walking up north past the wall because he doesn't want to do the Night's Watch. And it's just like... You know what? Maybe they are the right people to do Star Wars because they build up a they make relationships believable, like Danny and the fact that they love each other. Danny and um and uh, Jon Snow, uh, they're very similar to uh the love story in episode two of Star Wars between uh Anakin and uh Padme. Padme, oh god, right? Yeah, like uh, I'm shocked they didn't throw in the uh. I love this land. It's so coarse uh, line <laughs> in there. Yes, I mean, yes, it's 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 not smooth like you. This it's right. Just terrible. <laughs> terrible. Yeah, I mean, maybe maybe they are the right people to do it. I don't know, but um, it's like all of a sudden they just seen each other and they was in love. You know, like and it was just like uh, okay, all right, you know, I guess. But you know what? To be honest with you. And kudos to Jen because I was willing to give all kind of passes leading into this season. I gave so many passes. I I gave a pass to the teleporting. I gave a pass <laughs> to the you know the love story. All of a sudden, as it being interjected, that didn't make no damn sense. I made you know I gave all kind of passes because when you see some a, a dragon being re- reanimated into an ice dragon that's pretty awesome and blowing up the gate, you know, of the wall. But this season, the all my passes are gone. Hmm. You know, all my passes are gone. Uh, you know, cause Jen was calling it out and, you know, I was, remember I was all defending it. I was like, yeah, cause I, I remember I was entertained. It was some fuckery, but I, it was entertaining fuckery. Mm-hmm. <laughs> So I was like, okay, you know what? That ice dragon, that was dope. And the fights and, you know, I was I, I'm like, okay, it's not as great as it once was, but, you know, there was some cool shit. This season, it was almost like, I mean, oh my God. It, it, it was so, like that first episode, I even gave that kind of a pass, right? And that, that was my indicator. I was like, something's terribly wrong. I, I, I felt it. I like it. I so not this is garbage. I look. I felt it, but I was nice to that episode because it was cool to see all the characters come back and all of that. And I'm like, okay, they're just setting it up. Okay, I'm hoping, right? I'm hoping. I've literally felt like a battered woman, a battered wife, who just hopes that he, you know, I won't get abused anymore. And then finally, I just feel like, you know what? I'm pushing him down a flight of stairs. You know, like I'm pushing my husband down the flight of stairs. That's how I feel with uh, this season because it was just like, so the second episode, I was like, I didn't really like it that much. There was some okay moments, 
I'm like, they're just getting it ready. Okay, three, we all knew three was going to be the big one. And then that's when I totally turned because that, that episode three was hot garbage. And it was just like, see it. Explain to me what kind of dummy thinks not seeing the freaking episode you spent $300 million on is a good idea. Like, how do you, what kind of mind thinks that? I mean, I'm sitting there like, unless they were trying to cover up some bad shit, uh, maybe that's what they, maybe they said they make it really dark so they won't see our fucks, fuck ups. I don't know. But, um, and then the ex machina over and over and over, people covered with, you know, uh, walkers, and then all of a sudden they cut away. And then when they cut back, it's like three. It went from like 300 to three. Just it's like, what the hell? And then, you know, and I didn't like the ending of how it all got resolved. We kind of went back and forth on that. And then, you know, it just was downhill. It's very disappointing. It's, it's very um, it, it's a little bit like I, I described this to Tristan. Um, this was at the beginning of this episode. I said that this season is a little bit like if you take out your trash and your trash is arranged in Starry Starry Night, you go, oh, my God, this is beautiful, but it's still trash and you still throw it away. Because right. it doesn't have any inherent value to it, even though it looks pretty. And it did look pretty. I mean, uh, just remembering back to uh, Daenerys's, um, just re- well, a lot of the Daenerys scenes in this episode were absolutely stunning. They were gorgeously shot. And, but it's still just, it's like, it, it, it's like you just can't dress up the 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 flaws that bad storytelling I, I shouldn't say bad I mean, storytelling but incomplete I mean, storytelling let me, let, me, let me ask a question all right the, the show had to have both it, the show always carried both it always had substance and it had show so right. it 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 was a hand in hand type of deal now it's come almost like that uh one director I call him um the guy that did a uh, huh Michael Bay yeah, Michael Bay, come on, boom, 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 bay. Thank you. Hit it on the head. Boom, okay. boom, bay. At least do that right, though. He does everything with flash and show, break out the explosions, all of it. But at the end of the day, it it had a flimsy foundation. Except Black it, Sales. I mean, but, but you know what? When we talk about the nature of a great show, um, we'll first start with a movie. What, what's one of the reasons why The Usual Suspects, it's a movie, stood the test of time. I mean, besides just being a great story, what, what was significant about that film? That The ending, the, right? It stuck yeah, the, the, the twist ending, yeah. Okay, now let's go to TV shows. Why is Breaking Bad considered such a great television show to this day? People still talk about it finally because they did what? They stuck the ending, right? They actually <laughs> did. That was, that was a great show. That was a, that was a way to end the show. That was amazing. I was like, "Oh my god!" See, I, see, I, I think that the problem with the ending here is I didn't know how to end it, and I don't. I say that being, I, I'm, I'm really serious. They really didn't know how to end it. I mean, I, I think well, that I mean, they. My my point is, this is going to mess with the legacy. I think of the show because yeah. I tell you, Dexter was a great show. Until the last season, <laughs> you know, like the last season was hot garbage, and the finale was 
more of the same. Now this this finale was way better than the Dexter one, but that's not saying much, you know. But yeah, and 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 just so that everybody, well, j- just so that everybody knows, just from like where I sit on this, I I don't I don't think that this last episode was completely without value. I don't think that, it, and I also don't think that that the entire season was without value. There are definitely lots of good pieces to it that but the but the but i think that one of the you're right one of the hardest parts of storytelling is knowing how to end the story so that you feel a sense of both satisfaction and resolution and i don't feel like we got either with this no but you know what i'm i'm okay with open questions you know, uh, like I'm totally fine with open questions. Like I don't think everything should be 100 percent wrapped up. Um, that's that's fine. Um, but my thing is, you know, just make it entertaining. You know, make it make sense. And you know, you don't have to be awesome, but be good. You know, and I honestly, I think whatever. What's a tap below good? Because it wasn't. It wasn't mediocre. Yeah, it was mediocre. I would say. No, I think it was. I think I think it was flat out terrible. I'm not going to give it mediocre because that's too much of a compliment. I think the entire season was hot garbage. When I say fuckery, it is fuckery. I, 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 I'm, I'm not quite as hard on it. I think it was fair. I don't. Reason, I think it. Yeah, oh, go ahead. No, the I, reason I, I say I, I say mediocre was the only thing. The thing that gives it saving grace is they did things in this season that really no other TV show has done. So you got to kind of give them that. And that's me being fair. They did some things that I'm, you know, you just don't see on television as far as what they did with budget and, you know, scope and all of that. So, and just, just the pop culture value alone. I mean, I don't, I feel like we haven't seen this in a long time. I've seen just on season eight. I think season eight, is absolute utter garbage and fuckery, and um, I really I I don't feel it's rewatchable. It's not. I just I just can't. It's just just not watchable because they they destroy character arcs. They they carefully crafted seven seasons into making, and they destroyed them all in like maybe an episode or two, and. Um, it, it, like they, they did devastating things to Tyrion. I was just like, "Are you serious? Like, how do you have him in the crypts?" And I understand because he's the hand keep him safe, but he's down there and he's no weapon. Now, Skirin, Tyrion is—he's um, not like a fighter, but he's not a coward either. He will fight and have him down there with just a jug of wine, and then hiding behind a tombstone when these uh, these whites break out. And he's not doing anything. I could I could see him in previous season grab grabbing Santa's weapon and at least trying to make an attempt. He is hiding. It's like they destroy his character. It's, it's like once he stopped getting sex, he's worthless. <laughs> it's just like, what are you doing? Well, to be fair, I feel like that's how I would be too. <laughs> so. <laughs> I probably wouldn't be any good either. So. <laughs> I, I, 
<laughs> also, I, I don't, I don't know if I totally agree with that either. I don't. I mean, I, I, I definitely didn't like that episode. I, I shouldn't even say I didn't like that episode. I didn't like parts of that episode. I did not like how they treated Tyrion in that sense. But I don't feel like that destroyed his character. What I feel like really destroyed his character <clears throat> was the, <clears throat> excuse me, <clears throat> the constant, um, the constant uh, not being able to make up his mind the constant back and forth with whether he was uh, the the second guessing the the there he wasn't I don't able know. to give good advice well right no thing he was always on top of his game he was always a thinker very calculating well they, I, I don't I don't know see that's the thing the thing is I don't I don't I I, I think they didn't do Tyrion a disservice all the way through there were just moments of them doing a disservice so i don't feel like they destroyed his character arc as much as they just dishonored it a couple of times and really then it starts to not make sense but 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 the but again i'll go back to this and i'll say that one of the the one of the biggest issues that i have with this the last this last episode is that sometimes things and let you say kente you said it right sometimes things don't have to be resolved but they have to have some kind of of, closure uh, yeah well closure and 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 at the very least there has to be a, a a willingness by the writer to say we're moving on we we have we've come to the end of this so maybe something else will happen after this and maybe not. And, and that's where they were trying to go by intersplicing all of the Stark kids doing all of the Stark kids things. And I liked that, but it didn't feel to me like we had any, uh, any moments of, oh, okay, I, I get it. I, I see what you're trying to close out here because there, because there were just too many things to close out because because nothing had been prepared ahead of time, I think. Also, uh, more thing. The 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 one thing, and I know this sounds petty, that was just so ridiculous to me. And, and because I loved the visual of Drogon, uh, basically flaming the Iron Throne. What I I feel like we go back and forth with these dragons between the they are highly instinctual killers and have more intellect than we understand and they are simply puppets that you know you can kind of use to your own advantage if you're a targaryen or if you can warg or whatever uh, the, 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 but the, but that little tiny piece is sort of episodically this is why i feel like game of thrones keep, started to fail because it was all those little things that just don't quite make sense why did drogon target the iron throne not that i didn't love it right yay the iron throne is gone i mean it felt actually really good but why did he even do that did, did, I, did I, he somehow I, I, know that that was daenerys's thing that you know no of course he I, didn't. I, yeah i i know where you're getting at because i was just like okay if she can't have it nobody can have it and you're fighting over this stupid the stupid chair and this is what happened is this is served you nothing but are the dragons that smart 
I mean, we yeah, haven't been like, like, you know, yeah, so, That was so cool. I give him a pass on that one. That was, oh, uh, that was cool. Yeah, yes, I, I did say that I thought it was visually amazing. I mean, I actually was blown away, and I'm I telling was, you, I we all sat weird. here and applauded. I wish that was the worst thing. I wish it was nah. the worst sin of the, the episode. Was the that <laughs> that would they would be doing pretty well if that was their worst sin? Um, but you know it uh, it is what it is. But I, I'll tell you this: this is what angers me. When I watched the first season of this show, not even halfway through the season, I remember turning who I can't remember who I was watching it with, but I, I remember turning to my friend and saying, "Peter Dinklage is going to win the Emmy for this." Like it was evident. Like if you watch that first season, he had a great character. His role was amazing. Four, he was he, like he won that in three or four episodes, right? Yeah. And then to be honest with you, his character always interesting, but it was never written in that first season quite as good as the first. In this season, even though he's amazing, he didn't stop being great. His material was at lesser right it was good at four it was good at four that's when he was on trial for killing joffrey it was right. good for four right it was after that when once he got kidnapped and then went to be with daenerys that's when things started falling off they stopped using his his skill set same thing with Varys. it's like how do you plan on going into war you don't have any intel on cersei you're not trying to, like he's suggesting let's let's try to uh uh have a way without killing king's landing let's let's think of a way now one time did he talk talk about using the tunnels like spending like special ops in there to capture Cersei at no point in time did he use his skill set to have alternatives I drink and I know things feel really flat really quick. So like you're in a you're you have a room full of advisors, and you're not talking to any of them. You're not using that one skill set. It's like how how does Cersei have intel on your dragons ah. coming in, and Varys has has uh, his little spies everywhere, and still you don't know about the scorpions. You don't know about the Iron Fleet. You don't know anything, and that's why I'm just like. They're killing character arcs. It's like, but 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 you know what? But but you know what? I I can actually I can see a world of this storytelling. And again, I I realize that I'm not involved in 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 the creative aspect of anything on this scope, right? So I understand that that decisions have to be made. So I completely honor. The, the process by which writers come up with ideas that then get put into play and dialogue is added and whatever, right? Okay, I, I'll honor that process. But what I see that has happened here is a, any one of the things that we have been talking about that have bothered us throughout the last couple of seasons could have easily been clarified with simply a little bit more dialogue where it was needed or a little bit more visual narrative where it was necessary. And so the fault of why Game of Thrones doesn't work in this season and in my opinion, last season too, 
is because the is because the narrative sort of fell in on itself that is they built in the i don't know if you you guys have ever uh seen or read pillars of the earth but basically they start out by building this magnificent cathedral it is absolutely gorgeous and they are building to the sky and they don't understand that the structure of the roof is where all of the weight is really being held and they can't get the load bearing pieces in place properly so the whole thing as magnificent as it is with stained glass windows and gorgeous marble work and sculptures of everything and relics of saints even it doesn't save them because the roof which is the most utilitarian thing of the entire process can't hold the weight and it falls in and that's what this reminds me of the beauty of it is completely marred because the story can't hold the weight of what is supposed to basically cover everything within and that is i i feel like with just a couple of additions with just a few small things they could have easily fixed this but it there's there's a part of me that thinks that these writers i'm sorry i know that this just sounds like sour grapes but there's a part of me that thinks that these writers have a massive hubris problem where they've taken this magnificent story and they i think thought that they were adding their own magnificent to it but what they really did was just add weight that the story couldn't bear um how i see it is this it's and i read i read someplace online and i was like yeah, that does make sense instead of having the characters feed the story they had the story feed the character and that's why everything was so rushed everything just seemed like it wasn't a natural flow of how uh the scene should be how the how those how the story should play out it was like we want this plot point this plot point this plot point to happen here and so give your your character lines to make it happen and so there being like a natural progression to it and and then to cover the silence of not having the dialogue they put in these extensive action sequences that were at the end of the day boring well, so th- there's kind of a golden grail of uh, storytelling, which in and one of the central tenets of it is show, don't tell. But in but in this particular issue be- or in this particular series, because we have uh, political machinations, because we have such intricate concepts to convey, there has to be a lot more tell than show. And th- so it sort of upends the standard uh, storytelling practice that I feel like we've all become very accustomed to. But I also think that what they ha- what they forgot sort of, you know, mid-season, or I should say mid-series, is that part of what made Game of Thrones so amazing was the tell, not just the show. And the moment that they tried to do everything in a grand visual structure and didn't pay as close attention to what characters were saying and why, they lost in, in, in the weeds, so to speak, a central core part of what made Game of Thrones great. And it takes a while. 
it lost the core of the characters. It, and it, t- it does take a while. I mean, you know, if you've ever, if you've ever been lost someplace, it's, it's not like you set out, you think where you're going and it's easy to turn around and see where you've been. And, you know, you just keep going and you're like, yeah, I can remember I passed that tree. I mean, it takes a while and it's complicated, but when you're lost, it is so clear that you are lost and why HBO or somebody, oh, well, maybe not HBO, but why somebody wasn't telling them at season six, guys, you need to do something different here to get this back in line is, I don't know. It's some, again, I just feel like this is sort of 2016. That would have been season seven um, that they weren't going to do any more seasons besides eight. So, so they, they they had plenty of time. Oh, of course, but I don't think say that they didn't announce it till 2016, and so they had already had already either done uh, season seven or were getting ready to, to complete season seven. Yes, but some but creatively somebody had to have seen the advanced material. I mean, creatively somebody has to be. It's not like they can just premiere it on HBO and that's the first time everybody sees it, right? Geniuses, that's why. And the show yeah. and the best that it ever done. So you got to get out their way and let these geniuses do their thing. Um, yeah, very quick, stable. As can a, you guys yeah, see my screen? Mm-hmm. I swear, for a minute, I thought, "Don't tell me this this woman then sprouted wings." Like <laughs> I, I, I wrote in the chat room that she was the dark angel. Right. <laughs> this was the three, the three scenes. One of the three scenes. So I like this scene where uh, Drogon's wings were were flapping. I was like, "Oh, that's tight." Then I liked when Tyrion found Jamie and Cersei, and then when I saw John hug a uh, ghost, I was like, "Okay, we got our hug, and now we're done." Uh-huh. Those were the only three things out the entire episode that I liked. Yeah, I was like, I was like, wait a minute, she doesn't spout it. Wait, she is a dragon. But I, but no, but you know, no, but did you see her wardrobe? I mean, this is nitpicky and and sort of nitpicky awesome. Did you see her wardrobe? How they had her sleeves basically look like wings. Her yeah. sleeves looked like little wings, sort of moving in the breeze. It was actually kind of cool. I liked that. No, yeah, you no. know, um, yeah. one of the things just oh, just. Cool. Again, just by way of uh, wardrobe, at the end, Sansa is wearing something completely different. And my son sat here and said, oh, my God, thank God they found another place for her to shop other than Hot Topic. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Like, I wanted to bring up Arya, too. Like, in the previous episode, it's like how they took it like a, a complete departure. Like... Sansa, I'm not so sorry, not Sansa, but Arya was very cold. She is this assassin. She has kind of dehumanized herself. She's not really caring about people. Now in this previous episode, she's like, you are going to die. Come with me. You have to get out of here. Let's go. And I was just like, just like the other previous episode, she was like, F them people. Now it's just like, we got to get to safety. Let's go. Let's run. I'm just like, where's the how do you snap so quickly? Yeah, so crazy. Oh, this car. Yeah. Oh, you see this? Bored. I was just like, I don't know these people. Yeah, I saw the yeah the wheelchair. Yeah, That's I was cool. like, 
just I was just bored by the entire thing. I was just like, I don't know, I don't know you, Arya. You you're telling uh Gendry go kick rocks and you couldn't care less. <laughs> and now all of a sudden you care about these kids. I was like, whatever, man. Yeah, that's great. <laughs> Cannot be bothered. So uh we, we gotta go ahead and get on out of here. So let me um let me uh start off with you, Coco. Uh how can people get you on social media? You can find me on Twitter. I am O N E underscore T R U underscore L U V. That is one true love on Twitter, and that is how you can find me. All right. And what about you, Jen? How can people get you on social media? Uh, on Twitter, you can find me at following bliss one uh, on the find me at moviesmakethemeal.com and criticallaughs.com. All right. And you can get me at Kente F. You guys have a great week. Totals.